0: So lucky you, there's no ads this week, but there is a crowdfunding message because this is crowdfunding month at Canada land. One special month out of the year, we ask you for money and then you give us money. And then we shut up about it for the rest of the year. It's important to note that Oppo is not crowdfunded. Please stop sending me wads of money through the mail. All the money we use to make this show comes from advertising. But there are a bunch of other great shows, not better shows, but but great shows nevertheless on Candleland that exist only because of support from listeners like you, who give a bit of money each month on our Patreon. One of those shows is our sister show, Commons. And if you're not listening to Commons yet, you've made a terrible mistake. Sit down, think about your life, think about your choices, and change everything about what you're doing. This podcast is hosted by Archie Mann and produced by Jordan Cornish, and they do a deep dive into some really interesting topics. They did a whole season looking at corruption. Spoiler, there's a bunch of it. They did another season looking at Canada's relationship with the weird and ugly oil industry. Spoiler alert, it's weird and ugly. And this season, it's really good. Each episode is focusing on one of Canada's most powerful families that do not get nearly enough scrutiny. They've looked at the Stronics, the Irvings, in their latest episode, they looked at the Fords. So if somebody kills Archie Man, it's going to be really hard to figure out which one of them did it. This is super compelling stuff, and it's good journalism. Now, listen, if anybody's a critic of Canada Land, it's me. I spent a lot of time dumping on Canada Land. I think there's a lot of things that could get fixed. But... Whatever the problems, we happen to keep producing really good shows. I mean, Commons is fantastic. We have Wag the Doug, the pop-up podcast about all of the wild and eccentrically bad things the Ford government keeps doing. That's awesome. There's also, of course, Thunder Bay, which is one of my favorite podcasts of all time from Ryan McMahon, who tells an absolutely super compelling story. And you know what? If you keep giving us money, there'll be a second season of that. And I am. if it doesn't happen, I'm blaming you so all this to say is for all the things I know about Jesse Brown specifically we've ended up creating a really good network here and if you give us money none of it will go to Jesse Brown we're going to end up paying our staff better because they deserve it because they're working really hard and if we have the money to pay them better we will That is our first tier for the crowdfunding season. The second tier is that second season of Thunder Bay. And so the second season of Thunder Bay, which we desperately need, will answer many of the questions that were raised in season one. But it also takes us to a whole new troubled city, Niagara Falls. There's a lot more than waterfalls and drunk people on bikes out there. Niagara Falls is a border town. It's a party town. It's a mob town. This podcast has to get made. And if it doesn't, I'm coming for you. Should I keep threatening all of our Patreon uh, contributors? I don't know. I think it's working. So go to patreon.com slash CanadaLand and consider throwing in a few bucks. No, 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 more than that. It's an American dollars, so take whatever you are going to give in Canadian and then quadruple it. And that's how much you have to... Yeah, that's right. That's how conversion works. Now, you don't have to give us money. You're not going to lose anything. You'll still get all this content for free. Nothing will really change. But you need to keep listening to this stuff, and we can't make it without money and if you do do it there's some perks like if you give five american dollars a month you get all of our podcasts ad free that's pretty cool think of all the time you'll save if you don't have to listen to advertisements every episode you also get a bottle opener so you can drink beer while you listen to us talk otherwise you'll have no way of drinking beer and the more you give, the more you get. Like if you give fifty dollars a month, like your Mr. Money bags, you get a special edition fragrance. <laughs> is this real? This is I apparently we have a fragrance. There's Canada Land the Smell. That is not a joke. I'm learning this for just like literally just now, and I hope it doesn't smell like Jesse Brown. <laughs> anyway, you're probably not chipping in to smell like Canada Land. You're doing it because it helps us produce the really good shows that exist on this network. Yes, OPPO is funded by advertisers, not crowdfunding, but you're supporting the media company as a whole. And if we hit our second tier, I will pie Jesse Brown. We haven't discussed this. I'm just committing to it right now. So thanks for listening, and seriously, think about it. This is the only month out of the year Canada Land does a crowdfunding pitch, and this is the longest time we'll talk about it on this show. So I'll we'll say it again, but really slowly. Go to Patreon.com/CanadaLand and throw in a few bucks a month. Thank you. From Canada Land, this is Oppo. <laughs> I'm Justin Ling in Toronto, and this week will be just another show of me talking to myself. On this week's program, the NDP, not socialist enough. And then we dive down on the issue that nobody is talking about the metric system. All
1: that. Justin. And- what? Shut up.
0: Jen, is that you?
1: Oh, yeah. It's me, and I've been listening. You are talking way too much. <laughs>
0: Jen, you're back. I had no idea.
1: Yes, and let me tell you, I timed that birth just beautifully. Like that was that was <laughs> miraculous. I managed to skip the entire writ period. I'm perfect. so
0: jealous. I'm gonna have a baby next election.
1: Oh man, I totally recommend it. Okay, well, well, for real, on this week's
0: show, we are going to talk about the West and all of her grievances.
1: Oh, shit.
0: Yeah, now that Wexit is a thing, you're back. Don't blame me. <laughs> and then we're going to break down whether or not Andrew shear has a future or whether this is it for Dimples.
1: Dimples is good, and I say all the things I wanted to say during the campaign but couldn't because I had a baby puking on me.
0: <laughs> Gross. It was. So, Jen, you got to skip this election, and I, I feel that really isn't fair. I mean, I feel it feel it isn't fair to you. I'm sure you have a whole bunch of bullshit to get off your chest after that miserable election. So, so hit me with it. What made you angry during this campaign?
1: All I really remember was that it was the worst election <laughs> in Canadian history.
0: It was the worst election. It was the best election.
1: Uh, I also cre- created a little list of uh, idiotic things that I remembered at the time and then subsequently totally forgot happened.
0: Okay, well, lay it on me, Jen.
1: Okay, so remember how there was that story about how Justin Trudeau had drinks or maybe didn't have drinks with Faith Goldie?
0: Oh, yeah, I actually legitimately forgot about that.
1: What about Elizabeth May and her disappearing coffee cup?
0: A photograph of you was photoshopped to show you using a reusable cup with a metal straw, when in fact you didn't use that cup and that straw. I I remember that one uh, only because I saw her the day after and she looked
1: tired. That time then Judy Scrooge said that Justin Trudeau's blackface was just an example of uh, him oh. honoring black people. In the black community have told me that how much more love they have for the prime minister. That he wanted to have a blackface. He took great pride in that, too.
0: Uh, yeah, yep, that was pretty, bad. Uh, that was pretty or, bad. Or
1: how he gave like this weird quasi-comedic apology to two black twins, and then this, it was so awful that it never saw the light of day except on TMZ.
0: Oh, yeah, at the, school, the nursery. With the little children.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why did you paint your face brown?
0: Ooh. Um, it was something I shouldn't have done because it hurt people. Yeah, that was bad.
1: Also how the CBC tried to sue the Conservative Party of Canada, um, putting one of their top anchors' names on the suit, presumably against her will in the midst of an election campaign.
0: That one's vivid in my memory, yeah. Do you
1: remember the Conservatives' campaign slogan?
0: It's time for you to get head, I believe.
1: Okay, you're the only one. Do, do, do you remember how uh, the Rhino Party ran uh, another Maxime Bernier in his riding of Bose?
0: I do. As it happens, just a brief aside, I actually got to meet the leader of the Rhino Party uh, just before the election. Uh, and he explained to me how he found that Maxime Bernier. And it basically came down to him going on Facebook and messaging every single Maxime Bernier he could find in Quebec. Most of them told him either to fuck off or absolutely not until he finally found one, one Maxime Bernier in Montreal. All who said, I am very interested in this.
1: Do you remember how there was that whole terrible whisper campaign that Justin Trudeau slept with a student when he was a high school teacher that turned out to be complete nonsense?
0: I do remember that one. And that the Conservative Party put out a press release uh, pouring gasoline out of those rumors. Yep, remember and that. And do you
1: remember how, like, every single uh, media organization had this team of fake news reporters and basically the only one who actually stepped up to debunk it was you?
0: uh yeah yes i i do remember that uh yep yeah not much to say about that
1: yeah so like how how basically all of these people were giving you and me terrible shit on twitter for having the audacity to point out that these fake news um bureaus were kind of focusing on weird and wrong things and then when an actual piece of major disinformation concerning the prime minister came out none of them actually stepped up to do the work to debunk it except you
0: I didn't do much work. It just wasn't true. It's very easy to debunk something that's not true.
1: What what else am I missing? What what else? Oh, yeah. The, the, all of these weird uh, tweets and uh, reports about leaders falling over and planes dropping into blesses and yakety sack style like, me, <laughs> like tr- tr- election metaphors.
0: There was also the two campaign planes. This is quickly the greatest hits of this election, uh, like the greatest B-sides, all of the, the singles you never wanted to hear.
1: Um, that's it. That's all I remember <laughs> from the election.
0: okay that's a terrible set of memories like you're gonna need to go to a like eternal sunshine of a spotless mind style memory wipe clinic to save yourself from that let's
1: put it this way every single time I stared down on my newborn baby's eyes and thought to myself god damn it this is boring I want to write something I would then you know open a newspaper or turn on the television and look at what was happening in the campaign and be like
0: nope that's fair I had that same feeling uh, a lot and I was actually covering it
1: so what were your favorite memories of that election Oh, it's just,
0: looking back, it's just sort of a hazy fog. Um, Nothing? I'm going to go with nothing. Everything was bad. The leaders' debate? Was like watching uh, a bunch of Canadian geese try to strangle each other. Awesome, yeah. The, the McLean's debate was a farce because the Prime Minister was too afraid to show up. Um, let's see. Every press conference felt like an exercise in insanity as we rolled a Sisyphusian boulder of accountability up a hill, only to be crushed as it fell back down. Everything was bad. Uh, here is the caveat I will I will give to the election because I have a reputation for being a real spoil sport who thinks everything sucks. I do think every party that wasn't the Liberals or the Conservatives or the People's Party, I suppose, actually did a good job. I was heartened by the other parties who ran relatively good campaigns. They all failed pretty badly, the Bloc Quebec one that was standing, but they were good. It makes me want more parties.
1: They were good enough all to fail.
0: They just couldn't play by the rules that the two major parties had set, and the rules were roughly keep... Punching each other in the face until one of you dies. It has given me some heart that that maybe there's some space for uh, for more critical voices and for independence to run. And the fact that Jody Wilson-Raybould uh, won her seat in Vancouver Granville, very heartening. Very disappointing that Jane Philpott couldn't win hers.
1: Yeah, Markham Stofield we're judging you.
0: Yes, we are. But even across the country, the fact that uh, both the um, liberals and conservatives were reduced to about 33-34% of the vote, and that there was a big share of vote for the other parties, for independents, for others i don't know it does appear to be this frustration with the two major parties uh there just needs to be uh i think a critical mass of other parties that can reasonably enter par- parliament for us to finally break the stranglehold of these two old decrepit sad mean parties uh and then maybe someday we'll get there and 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 not just on the left there needs to be more parties on the right that aren't led by an egotistical nut job there so i said something nice let's move on to something sad and mean So does Andrew Shear have a future? I understand from Andrew Shear's Twitter feed that the Conservative Party did pretty great in this election. Uh, according to the Conservative Party, they have now formed the largest official opposition in, wait for it, Canadian history. I mean, never mind that the House is bigger and that as a percentage of the seats in the House, this is actually one of the smaller official opposition caucuses and ignore the fact that the Tories have actually lost votes in both Ontario and Quebec over the previous election, They did a great bang up job, Jen. There's nothing wrong with how they did anything and it was a smashing success. With more support from coast to coast and with an endorsement from the Canadian people that we are the government in waiting.
1: Well, they're they're doing what losing parties do, and that is they're trying to see the bright side. They're trying to, like, spin some positive PR for themselves. The problem and the reason why you're already seeing this conservative party and Sheer make the media rounds right now is because conservatives themselves are really pissed by this showing. There was a high expectation or in a sense among conservatives that, you know, if you couldn't take Justin Trudeau out after the last 10 months he's had, you know, amidst the SNC scandal and the blackface scandal and, you know, um, waning faith among progressives, if you can't take the, cons- the liberals out after they've lost a million votes and couldn't win the greater share of the popular vote, then you will never take the liberals out. You, you have failed That's so completely as a leader and your strategy and your team has failed so utterly that, you know, the only answer as a conservative party is to fire you all and replace you with someone else. I mean, if you look
0: across the country, I mean, there are there are bright spots for the Conservative Party. I mean, in British Columbia, they did well. I mean, you know, they they always do well in British Columbia. They have their sort of fortress uh, in the north and, and, and sort of the east of British Columbia. They obviously were going to do fantastically in, in Alberta. And they did. Um, they only lost one seat and there was, you know, they were going to lose that seat, I think, anyway. Yeah, that
1: was Linda Duncan's old seat.
0: Yeah. Edmonton, South Carolina, okay. Saskatchewan. Obviously, they did, they did crackerjack. Uh, Manitoba did relatively well. Really, that's where the good news ends. Well,
1: wait, 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 wait. So, because, I mean, it depends on how you want to look at this outcome, right? Like, you can see this as being a really positive outcome for the conservatives, or you can see this as being a really negative outcome for the conservatives. Those who want to see this as a positive conservative say, look, two years ago, nobody thought we had a shot. Uh, Justin Trudeau was in the midst of this extended honeymoon period. He was universally beloved, and he's like a Canadian Kennedy. It was always a long shot that that the conservatives were going to be able to kick out uh, an incumbent government like this. Yeah. And you know, as a result, uh sheer he walked away with a pretty significant share of the conservative vote and he's has a more impressive showing on his first time out than Harper did in terms of increasing the number of seats in the house. These are not things ah. to be totally yeah. ignored or gainsaid. However, the other side of the conservative house is saying, no, fuck that. the conservatives absolutely should have won. The expectations were set such that uh we were expecting a win. And um, additionally, you, know, you may have gained more actual votes in Alberta and Saskatchewan, good job, that didn't actually gain the party any more seats. But you lost vote share in the GTA and in Quebec, which is where you actually needed to gain it. So something about this strategy was, was just fatally flawed, and if the Conservatives want to form a majority, they need to show that they can make gains in exactly the places where they lost vote share.
0: Yeah, that's right. I mean, they lost votes overall in both Ontario and, and Quebec, and if you go further east, I mean, Atlantic Canada should be good news for them. Atlantic Canada, you know, was just ripe to pick up seats. Ultimately, they got a few in New Brunswick, they got one in Nova Scotia, but they ran a really... We're crackerjack a field of candidates. Very popular provincial politicians, uh, former MPs who kind of fell in the red wave of 2015. Um, and many of them couldn't take those seats. And, it, it, like, and a lot of them were open seats. There wasn't even any incumbents there. If you couldn't deliver on that, I mean, that really is a failure of leadership. I think there is a really good argument to be made that, yes, Justin Trudeau was a first-term incumbent. Um, he was very popular. You know, He is a celebrity. It would be virtually impossible to unseat him except for the last 10 months that he's had. I mean, his popularity absolutely plummeted. People were frustrated with him. The vast majority of voters said they want to change. And they could not convert that into seats. I think that is a damning indictment.
1: Then the question starts to become, is the problem Andrew Scheer, or are these problems that Andrew Scheer can ah, rectify yeah. and fix going into the next campaign? So, I mean, one of the problems I think that you know, you have to address with Scheer is that, you know, he's he's a, a very conservative religiously, and he's socially conservative, and he gave really shitty answers to questions yeah. on abortion and same-sex marriage and, um, and you know, why he won't march in parade. I mean, he, even after the election, he's refusing to say he will march in a pride parade, and not really giving a very coherent or clear uh, explanation as to what his problem is. What is it about is, that is that you're it, not comfortable with? It's,
0: there are many different ways to show support to the community and, and, and that's a focal point for me. That's what I'm focusing on. There are many people who support the community that don't march and, uh, and I'm going to continue to fight for LGBT
1: Canadians uh, just as we do for all, all all Canadians. I think he would actually be fine if he just said Look, I, my personal morality is Catholic and, you know, uh, I'm not comfortable going to a pride parade where, um, you know, people are naked and they have, blah, blah, blah like, if he were to give an answer like that, I mean, I personally would disagree with it, but I could, at least it would be something resembling a rationale. And instead, he's still kind of giving non-answers on this file. But in addition to that, they tried to run a campaign on pocketbook issues at a time when, pocketbook issues just weren't at the forefront of anybody's mind, right?
0: Conservative government that will live within its means and put more money in your pocket so you can get ahead.
1: I don't know why they didn't change course when they realized that that wasn't hitting for them. What was the narrative of this campaign? What was the story that this party was trying to tell voters? It certainly wasn't a story of we're we're more ethical and more trustworthy.
0: No, I, I disagree with you. No, I actually think the pocketbook issues were exactly the right play for this election. They just didn't do it very well. Andrew Scheer went into this election saying affordability is is at a crisis point. And he's right. Um, the problem is he focused on exactly the wrong thing. So he started talking heavily about the carbon tax as being the crown jewel of his affordability campaign. The problem was that put a lot of middle class people in a position of saying, OK, do I vote to make my tax bill slightly lower even though most people know that they're already getting a rebate, or do I want to fight for the environment? And people are generally on side of the environment.
1: The the carbon tax absolutely failed to rally the base to their support.
0: And they kept doubling down on it.
1: The first order of business
0: under a conservative government, the first piece of legislation will be called an act to repeal the carbon tax. (laughs) They refused to pivot off of it, even though they knew it wasn't working. And they decided to lie about it, which is the thing that I really think did piss off people. They lied about it through their teeth. They kept saying it doesn't work, it doesn't work. carbon tax is proven to fail. It will increase carbon... Just this total bullshit that was being picked apart by literally everybody. And people don't like being lied to. They don't want to be treated like they're fucking stupid.
1: I've also heard it said that the Conservatives' lack of credible climate change plan is also what really hurt them, and I have no doubt that to some extent it probably did hurt them in pretty key places like the GTA. However, I think to say that this was a climate change election is also wrong because it's not like the liberals had a particularly credible climate change either. They came out with like a, we're going to go to zero emissions by 2050, but we don't have any actual reasonable plan to get there. So I I actually don't think that like the lack of climate change plan is necessarily what did them in, but running against the carbon tax might've been what did.
0: And I think people, a lot of people Uh, climate was a litmus test right they didn't necessarily need the best plan but they wanted a credible plan that's why people were comfortable voting liberal they knew they could get a better plan from the NDP but they kind of went well you know what at least there's a good plan here I can vote based on some other priorities I mean you know the liberal plan gets us nearly to our Paris targets which isn't amazing but it's not an absolute catastrophe the conservative plan would have increased GHG emissions by 2030 Um, so it would have blown apart any semblance of those targets but you know fundamentally I mean where else did the conservative platform fail like they were pitching uh, an income tax cut that was basically matched exactly by the liberal party and they were pitching a whole bunch of tax credits tax credits that had already been in the code and were not very popular that were not used by that many people and didn't save working class middle class people that much money it did
1: have a slightly more credible and modest fiscal plan I would say though. I, I I think that they scored some Slightly. points on that, but I mean, it wasn't, it, we weren't even talking about that during the election. Like, that's why this election no. was so stupid. We yeah. weren't even having serious conversations analyzing any of these things. It just, it was bafflingly idiotic. Kind of moving moving to the forward, the question is, do the conservatives dump Scheer? Can can Scheer actually rectify these problems? Can they come up with a, with a better campaign strategy? Can they make, in? can an Andrew Sheer make inroads in some of these places where he needs to be able to make inroads? Um, and I also would point out, you already are starting to see stuff come out in the media from unnamed sources, uh, specifically in Toronto and, you know, presumably connected to Ford people, that suggests that there is organization already afoot to kick Andrew Scheer out. There may be repercussions from Andrew Scheer's choice to sideline Doug Ford. I don't think that that was necessarily the wrong decision for them, strategically, but it may have created factions within the party that they're now going to have to deal with.
0: Let's pause on that for a second, though, because I'm really curious to know to what extent... Doug Ford was the liability in Ontario or that he could have been an asset. I I think it obviously was part of the reason why they p- couldn't pick up in the GTA. But, like, Doug Ford is still popular in Etobicoke. Yeah. And Etobicoke should have been the first seat for the Conservatives to pick up in the GTA. And they couldn't even convert there. And you, ha- you, know, you, ha- like, and you also have to ask, if yeah. they had
1: brought more of Doug's people and team on board, I mean, this has yeah. been already speculated about publicly, could they actually have had the organizational heft to flip some of those seats? I mean, would it have been worth the sort of reputational trade-off.
0: And fundamentally, Shear's team just has a lack of organizing experience. You could see it from their communications team. They were not good at dealing with journalists, dealing with information requests, prepping him on on, on question and answers, prepping him for the debates. He looked flat-footed everywhere he went. I'm always in favor of uh, of countries being able to uh, chart their own destiny and control uh, their own internal affairs. and And that wasn't necessarily his fault. That was his team's fault. He is a relatively astute politician. Like, you know, I've seen him in the House of Commons when his team had been very well prepared and he gets up and he's quite good. You find yourself nodding along with him and and, and being sort of compelled by him. And I did not see that Andrew Shear for a single day on the campaign.
1: He sort of stuttered. He seemed uncomfortable. He he wasn't delivering his lines confidently. He didn't go back to first principles in his reasoning. It was kind of clumsily done. And I don't know whether or not that was his communication team or whether or not Shear's just not very good at this So, like, look, if you're the conservatives, do you dump this guy and move on or do you take another flyer on him? My concern on behalf of the country and on behalf of the conservative party is that if you dump Sheer right now, the base is going to say it doesn't matter who we put in uh, because the liberals are going to make whomever we put in out to be this racist, crazy bigot. Mm. And therefore, fuck centrism, fuck the moderate approach. Let's just put in the most radical blower upper that we can find, because this whole this whole sort of down down the middle of the line liberal light platform isn't working for us.
0: Stephen Harper in two thousand and four, I think, is the exact right comparison. Shear's team should be looking at right. Stephen Harper goes into that campaign having done a bunch of work, having to reunify the Conservative Party. Um, you know, finds himself in an election uh, against a tired, corrupt, beaten down Liberal Party that everyone seems to hate. Um, and, and goes in there and gets absolutely defined by the Liberal Party as an Iraq war zealot, as a social conservative, as a, you know, a guy with a secret agenda.
1: Stephen Harper actually announced he wants to increase military
0: presence in our cities, Canadian cities, soldiers with guns. And they did a fantastic job of defining Stephen Harper before he could define himself. He looked secretive, he wasn't good at responding to those criticisms, and he ran a really desperate, angry campaign against the incumbent liberals. I think he picked up almost exactly the same number of seats that Andrew Scheer did, but ultimately couldn't take down one of the least-like governments in Canadian history. Two years later, after Minority Parliament, Stephen Harper actually manages to run a disciplined, thoughtful campaign centered around the Accountability Act he wanted to bring in, centered around silencing a lot of the social conservatives. Of debates in his party with, with with some caveats and centering around you know kind of sensible uh, fiscal reform and getting back to balance and he wins government that should be what they're looking to but to get there you need to start having message discipline and actual reason for being you know in in the race
1: well and the other thing that I would point out is that uh, Justin Trudeau has been in the national spotlight in a very regular way since what 2008 he's had that 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 decade to define himself. Andrew Shear's only been here for like, what, 18 months, 20 months? Canadians don't know this guy, right? So it becomes easy for your opponents to frame you and introduce you to the public when you haven't had a lot of opportunity to introduce yourself. And my concern on behalf of the Conservative Party is that, you know, if you put another guy in there... You kind of got to start this whole process from scratch, introducing this person to the public, showing the public that they're that they're reasonable, centrist, conservative people that they can trust, that they're not crazy people, and I'm not sure that in a minority government situation where on average minority governments don't last that long, you know, do you as a party have the time to do this?
0: I think Andrew Scheer has a choice ahead of him. Does he want to keep doubling down on the race he just ran, which was not very good? Or does he want to actually address the shortcomings of his campaign? Does he want to get some message discipline underneath him? Does he actually want to focus on a couple of issues um, that will define him as opposed to just being this kind of a amorphous blob of a politician? And he needs to figure out how to answer these, answer these questions around uh, social conservatism. I mean, um, he does need to come up with an answer around uh, the Pride Parade thing. It is a stupid fucking litmus test that is driving me absolutely fucking crazy. But he needs to come up with an answer. And you know what? I will be comfortable with almost any answer he gives. If his response is, listen, I am not super comfortable with gay marriage, and I this isn't for me. I'm never going to touch it as prime minister, but listen, I, I just don't want to go because this is not something I believe in as a religious man. I can live with that. Let's just stop fucking talking about this, but for us to stop talking about it, you need to figure out an answer that actually fucking works. Um, so you know, it's these little things that if he can start doing, I think he can keep a hold on power. But what you need to be doing is looking at those who might be challenging him. Rumors have already been swirling around Peter McKay, um, starting some sort of organization. Gérald Deltel in Quebec has you know, for a long time been groomed to be leader of the Conservative Party and will do a bang-up job, to be honest. He is a plain-spoken Quebecer who could probably Mop the floor with Trudeau in a debate. You know, a hypothetical John Baird return to James Moore in BC. There's any number of people who could be drafted to challenge Shear at a moment's notice. And if he hasn't got his shit together when that happens, if that happens, uh, then he's he's done.
1: You know, they could they could dump Shear and lose a lot of the liabilities that Shear absolutely brings to the table. But if they don't dump Shear they kind of have the opportunity to take the mistakes they learned from this election and run a much better campaign the next one and by god i hope they do because i don't want to have a third baby It seems news of a liberal minority has ignited calls for the West to separate from the rest of the country.
0: Yeah, that's right, Marilee. A lot of us have heard of the term Brexit. Well, this is Wexit, and it's exactly what it sounds like.
1: Separatist signs now replacing election signs as the movement to leave the rest of Canada picking up steam.
0: Westerners are extremely frustrated. I think that you're going to see a dramatic increase in in, uh, Western alienation and even beyond that. So, Justin. Yes, Jen.
1: I realized that like on our script here, it says that I should be talking about Western alienation and, and the alien West and how Wexit is going to happen and Alberta is going to separate because Trudeau got reelected to a minority government. Wexit, baby. I'm sick of it. <laughs> That's fair. I've been doing this job in various formats in Alberta for more than a decade, and I am dead sick of trying to explain Western alienation to a half of the country who just don't want to hear it. You think that the Wexit movement and Western Alienation is just a bunch of like backwater racist rednecks who are too stupid to realize that the province is landlocked and, you know, it's their own fault for not electing people who hate them and for not running the entire province and slash country on rainbows and solar panels. And you know what? I really don't know what else there is to be said about this. Alberta is intensely pissed off. There is a kind of a social media keyboard warrior esque Wexit movement on the front on the move at this point. There is no real organized party to channel that rage. Jason Kenney, who gets absolutely shat upon for daring to mention that this is a thing that's happening, he's here in Alberta giving probably the most impassioned and credible defenses of federalism in order to try and you know channel this energy into something productive. And I think that just generally people here feel depressed and hopeless and helpless in Confederation. And and you know what? I don't think that uh, people in the East give a shit. Let me ask you
0: this. Do you think that mood for separation or even just general Western alienation is that much worse today than it was six months ago?
1: Yes, I do. And there's probably a couple reasons for that. One is that, you know, the further we get away from the 2015 oil price crash, the more people are starting to realize that we're not going back to the boom old days, the depression isn't going to lift anytime soon. There is no magic solution to any of these problems from a macroeconomic sense. And I think while people do understand that you know global oil prices are beyond the control of the federal government, of course they are, the federal government certainly hasn't helped yeah, um, that is the general sense. Now we can get into the the TMX purchase of the pipeline, blah 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 blah. Can we please not? Because we've already we've already had that conversation.
0: We don't we don't need to litigate TMX all over again. But can I just put it out there that you told me this the other day? Like you know, by all accounts, it looks like TMX is finally going to happen. That shovels will be in the ground.
1: Well, that's the hope. Do I have the faith that it's going to happen now that I had six months ago, not as much. It, it kind of goes back to the, the general malaise of conservatives writ large in, in the country. Like, Jesus fucking Christ, you couldn't kick Justin Trudeau out despite the fact that you have a burgeoning yeah. Western separation movement. The country feels more polarized and divided than it ever has. And the dude has been absolutely marred by um, ethics scandals. And bloody brick, and he doesn't know how many times he's done blackface. Like, what, what more... Could it possibly take? And, you know, you've just reelected a a federal government that um, seems to delight in running against the Western oil and gas industry and delight in sort of constantly resetting the regulatory goalposts so that Alberta and Alberta's product is perpetually fucked. That's the sentiment.
0: Justin Trudeau, I think, has done... I would even say too much in terms of trying to reconcile his environmental, you know, bona fides with his desire to keep industry afloat in Alberta. To some degree, though, does it even matter to a lot of Albertans that TMX might finally get done?
1: Yeah, have things just escalated to the point where it's the anger is so deep and irrational that it's beyond the ability of TMX to fix? Um, Honestly, maybe it it, just in the way that Brexit wasn't, strictly speaking, rational. Voting to leave the European Union, I think, hit a deep psychological and emotional button for a lot of people who felt under threat. And we might be there with Alberta.
0: I think it's also almost a better. Case versus Brexit. I mean, there legitimately was a series of fuck-ups by the federal government that meant that Alberta industry would be severely hobbled, and that frustration is is very understandable. Never mind that um, you know the federal government was quite slow to change the EI system to make sure that out of work oil workers would be look- looked after, uh, even as it's always been very generous for those in the east. Um, you know, equalization is a, it is a deeply fucked up system.
1: The big ones also were C sixty nine and C forty eight, and I give the- federal government um, some credit like they, they they did listen to the Senate's amendments on a lot of those issues and they did make significant changes to C-69. And, you know, in the budget yeah. that just came out in uh, Alberta um, this week, you know, they are expecting increase in uh, investment from the oil industry. So like it's you know, things hopefully are going to turn around at least a little bit but you know you're adding a kind of historical enmity to a lack of faith that Ottawa is acting as a as a good faith partner to a really ugly divisive election in which to be blunt they used the west and the oil industry as a wedge in order to try and peel off votes in ontario and quebec and and the liberals did do that and then of course you're you're adding to that something that's beyond everybody's control which is just the economic situation right like things are bad out here it's 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 hard things are shutting down there's weird inversions of property taxes that are screwing up the downtown core in calgary i mean there's things aren't great. And, you know, you add this election result to it and it's it's um I don't know. I don't know where things are gonna go. I've been kind of fighting anxiety for the last couple of days actually. Like like just genuine out of nowhere like acid feeling in my chest. And I'm I'm figuring out what to do with that because I don't know where things are gonna go right now.
0: I have, for the first time in forever, a weird amount of sympathy for the Liberal Party here because, um, you know, on one hand, I I think a lot of what they've done to try to overcome the hurdles that have been set out, uh, you know, around building new pipelines, it's good. And and even though they haven't got a lot of credit for it, they've tried their best to to actually get things done. On the other hand, we're talking about a reality in the next several decades. 20, 30, 40 years where we are going to be using significantly less oil. Alberta is obviously going to be still pr- producing oil in 20 years. But I think we do have to start talking seriously about uh, programs that get people into new lines of work that that starts on new industry, starts on new technology in Alberta. And I think like that needs to be a conversation we're having that we seem terrified of talking about because it implies that we want to put everybody out of work in that province. And I think until we start having that serious conversation, then you know Alberta will continue to be upset. I don't think Alberta is married to oil it wants economic development like everybody but
1: here's where there was an opportunity during this election for the liberals that was just fundamentally lost come into alberta with that hopeful message like come into alberta with 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 something concrete like hey we get that this is happening we're not trying to shut down your oil industry, but whether we like it or not, there's there's a transition afoot. But if you're going to say, hey, we're going to create a, a zero emissions carbon plan by 2050, I think you got to pair that with a conversation with Alberta that says, here's what we are going to do for you and try and, 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 and help you make get through this transition. Canada's got your back. We're not your enemies. We don't want to hurt you. We want to help That's you. Right. And we're going to make sure that you thrive through this transition. That was the message I think I was looking for. And it just was not there.
0: When you say we're going to go to carbon neutrality by 2050, a lot of Albertans go, oh great, I'm fucked. What else is going to be here? What other jobs are we going to have in this province? And they don't want handouts. They want they want viable industry.
1: You're here to turn us into the poor cousin of the West again. That's what you're here to do. That narrative actually goes back right down to like the formation of the, co- the province in 1910. We're not actually treated with respect or equality. We're just a colony of a colony. And your job is to extract the wealth from us and leave us out to hang us to dry. Yeah. That's the way Albertans feel right now. And I here I promised I wasn't going to get into a conversation about Western alienation and you suck me into it fuck you Justin
0: (laughs) no but this is good this is the conversation that I wish people had about Western alienation as opposed to just being like oh those rednecks versus Ottawa's fucked, and we need to separate. You know, I think there is a good conversation to be had here. Uh,
1: a lot of people have been talking about how the prairies haven't really elected any liberals. Of course, Ralph Goodale fa- fairly famously lost a seat. There are no liberals elected in or reelected in Alberta, and as a result, you know, there's going to be no seat at the table for Albertans. There's going to be nobody sort of representing the West. Do we care? I'm not convinced that we should actually care. If Trudeau actually wants to listen to the West and not fuck us over, it's not like he lacks the ability to pick up a phone. It's only going to be worse now. I mean... It wasn't great before, though. I mean, like...
0: No, but with, it's going to be with, worse. With Emmer, I mean, Sohi
1: at the table, I mean, Emmer, uh, Mr. Sohi did, did, did a creditable job as an energy minister, but it's not like the West was super happy after it elected a handful of liberals.
0: But imagine how happy they're going to be after watching uh, Justin Trudeau govern either with the NDP or the Bloc Quebecois. I can only imagine that frustration is only going to get more endemic.
1: But as I said, if, if Justin Trudeau and his party want to reach out to the West and listen to what they have to say, not having elected anyone doesn't stop him from doing that. Go talk to Jason Kenney. I mean, honestly, That's this fair. is what I, what so drives me so much about the demonization of Jason Kenney. And I've been critical of Jason Kenney, too, in several columns. But right now, if you're a committed Federalist and you are trying to staunch Western separatist sentiment, Jason Kenney should be on your speed dial because he is the most credible voice that Alberta has within Alberta talking to Albertans about why separation is a bad plan. I don't really think that it matters all that much that we don't have an Alberta MP at the cabinet table. What I do think matters is that You have a prime minister's office and a prime minister who's been sufficiently humbled by his, frankly, not impressive minority government, that he understands that he's actually going to have to spend some time listening and talking to people outside of his circle. And if he wasn't willing to do that before... Why is he going to do it now?
0: So i push back on that simply because, you know, it's not in Jason Kenney's best interest to help Justin Trudeau figure out the West. And that's not about Jason Kenney. The reality is it would be undermining his party to do so. No, it
1: wouldn't. It's in Jason Kenney's best interest to get good results for Alberta. It's not undermining the conservative opposition for Jason Kenney to advocate for Alberta on the federal stage. Jessica's job is to have good relationships with his premiers. And he should be really pushing through the partisan crap and the ideological crap and making a real effort to build relationships and alliances at the, at the provincial level. And I think that, that that you would you would see that pay dividends in Alberta, and I think you'd see it pay dividends at, at a lot of different levels, even if it didn't necessarily translate to electoral success for him federally. I,
0: I agree with that, but you cannot get the candid advice you need about you know what he ought to be doing in the West from Jason Kenney. You need someone around the cabinet table who can give you that advice, who can have those conversations in closed doors, who you can bring legislation or policy ideas to and have them respond to it in an earnest way. You know, it's not just a matter of having somebody who can fill you in on what the West wants.
1: There's some chat that, that they may appoint Nenshi to cabinet.
0: Yeah, I don't know how credible that is you know
1: or Iveson or someone like that it
0: would be the first time in many decades that we've pulled a you know non-parliamentarian into cabinet it would be very unusual I mean the, I think the more realistic uh, version of that is that he picks a, an Alberta senator to be sort of the minister for the West not in full cabinet but you know still somebody to go out there and and, and you know go and meet with the prime Minister about those concerns pretty often I actually would have said up until a couple of days ago that Jim Carr would have made a, a pretty good deputy prime Minister also Minister of Western development development. development and energy let's say that's been shot because jim carr has been diagnosed with cancer which is very unfortunate then that
1: pretty much leaves you with one person it leaves you with paula simons uh who is appointed to the senate um what, I kind of I kind
0: of think that's about right. I think there's a whole bunch of other options for the Prime Minister, but none of them are really good. Or
1: or the other option is like you get someone like Doug Black to serve in that kind of a role informally or formally. Um, but in order to do that, you would need a Prime Minister who's actually willing to show some humbleness and willing to reach out across the aisle to people who might disagree with him and empower those people to act as a bridge over essentially what's become a regional rift. And do I have a lot of faith that Justin Trudeau is going to do that? I mean, I'm open to being pleasantly surprised. I would really like to be pleasantly surprised, but I have my doubts.
0: That is it for Oppo this week. You can get in touch with us at oppo at canadalandshow.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook at OppoCast to let us know what you think. This episode was produced by Laura Howells. Our managing editor is Kevin Sexton. Theme music was by Nathan Burley. And Jen, you're going to have the last word this week for the first time in forever.
1: I do. I have the last word this week, and that word is placenta.
0: Oh. <laughs> I had a very nice placenta salad the other day.
1: I, I do it just to mess with you, Justin. I do.